beautiful. Thanks for choosing the Looms in Me podcast. We are all about growth and realistic self-betterment, both in our personal and professional lives. I'm Looms, and if you're anything like me, then you're doing a pretty passable job of adulting and just hoping for the best. So I hope this series helps you as much as it's helping me. There's a new episode every Sunday, but if you want more, then head to looms.me. The Oxford Dictionary defines failure as, quote, a lack of success success being the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose which makes me wonder if by those definitions have we all just been a little too loose with how we've been categorizing certain instances in our lives so far often we hear about failed marriages failed businesses failed careers failed friendships without ever really stopping to question the idea that a failure has even occurred in the first place. This week I want to explore what makes a failure and what happens when we're not being intentional about how we process these types of outcomes. I also want us to think about the concept of forever and how the word forever, the idea of forever, despite seeming quite straightforward, can actually sabotage our present day reality. Failure is a thought. It's a thought that you have about a particular set of circumstances. Failure is not an objective fact. It's not something that you could potentially prove or have every single person on the planet agree occurred about a particular set of circumstances. It's entirely subjective and it it varies hugely from person to person. Attempting to remedy a perceived failure without first agreeing with or actively choosing the premise that you're basing the remedies on can lead to a lot of frustration and oftentimes a lot of despair. Let's take the example of a failed marriage. Most cultures, most societies deem a marriage to have failed if it ends before one or more of the participants dies. Now, if we take the dictionary definition of failure and success, then the idea of a failed marriage indicates that there was a lack of success. Otherwise known as no aims or purposes were accomplished. Now, how can that be? Because surely the very nature of having even gotten married in the first place counts as a marriage success metric. Doesn't that then mean that there was success in the marriage. And how many successes outweigh a failure? Why is the marriage considered to be failed overall, regardless of how many other successes the marriage and the people in the marriage were able to experience before it ended? Let's take the example of a failed business. So you had an idea, you put in the work, and you started a business. And then after an amount of time, you decided to shut it down for whatever reason, whether it was by choice or whether you felt like you did not have a choice but to shut it down. It really doesn't matter. Because fundamentally, society will call it a failed business. But is it really a failed business? How long should a business be open for in order for it to be deemed successful? You know, we all talk about blockbusters and the impact that that particular brand had on society and it's spoken about with all this reverence and you know fond memories because it's vintage etc but 
did blockbusters actually fail? Or did it serve its precise purpose? And yes, before you ask, a hindsight purpose is still a valid purpose, in my opinion. Let's take one more example of changing careers, because I know that's something that a lot of you who listen to this is something that's always in the back of your minds. And I get messages all the time, specifically around careers and relationships, but a lot of career questions. There's a YouTuber called Ali who makes really high quality videos about productivity, amongst other things. He trained to be a doctor at Cambridge University, where he ranked first before going on to work in the field of medicine for a few years. He then quit medicine and is now a full-time YouTube content creator, and he's got almost 3 million subscribers as of today. Is Ali a failed doctor? And if he quits YouTube, will he then become a failed YouTuber? Who's making all these rules about how long something should last for? Whatever your answers have been to all of my many, many questions so far, I think you might find it really interesting to get curious about why you may have been answering them the way that you have been up until now. And if you haven't been answering them as you go along and you're doing what I normally do when I listen to podcasts, which is basically anything else, then have a listen for a second time and see what you make to the answers. See what answers your mind offers up to you, because I think there's so much value in being able to dig a little bit deeper and trying to understand why you think the way that you do and what your defaults are as well. Nature evolves. Seasons end so that they can start. Nighttime has to end before daytime can start and vice versa. But we don't say that night failed when the sun rises. We don't say that summer failed when autumn starts. Human beings are part of nature. So why is our measure of time so different? And what role does the idea forever play in a world full of temporary humans? We can't even measure that sort of time, the idea forever. We can't measure it on any human timeline. Now, I'm not saying failure is bad or good or even that it needs to be defined in those particular terms. I'm saying let's not, let's not work from a premise that we haven't explicitly chosen, whether it's for failure or any other part of our lives. If thinking about a set of circumstances as a failure serves you and gives you the outcomes that you want, then by all means, keep going. But if you're stuck because you can't see a way past something that you've deemed to be a failure, then it really is worth checking your premise. Especially because worse than being stuck behind a failure is having a fear of failure stand between you and the outcomes that you are longing for, that you want. And this kind of fear can be quite unhelpful in so many people, especially when the actual failure we're so afraid of hasn't happened yet. Our lovely, wonderful human brains figured out a really long time ago that keeping us safe would require a really 
active and potent imagination and a full imagining of, of, of everything that could possibly go wrong, whether what it's imagining is likely or unlikely. And it just plays this for us in a constant loop until we acknowledge that we are in some sort of danger, the danger being failure will be uncomfortable, potentially. When you check the premise and when you question the premise that you are inadvertently or unintentionally working from, it can go quite away into breaking the cycle and the loop that's playing over and over in your head. Because I always want to be as helpful as I possibly can with these episodes, I want to share with you some of my core principles, which I find helpful to refer back to when I'm feeling that shame or that fear spiral, whether it's like literally or figuratively fearful that creeps its ugly little head up. I always refer back to these principles because they help remind me of the messaging that grounds me or keeps me grounded and gives me context and helps me process. Now, yours might end up looking very differently, but if you don't have any, you're welcome to see if any of these potentially could serve you. Now, the first one is the idea of the journey being the destination. When Daniel Kaluuya, an incredible actor, won his Oscar for, as Chairman Fred, for his performance in Judas and the Black Messiah, he called the moment when he won the Oscar a checkpoint. And that's a direct quote from his Instagram. He referred to it as a checkpoint, one of many. And the reason why he called it a checkpoint is because he also believes that the journey is, a de- is the destination. The reason I love this idea so much is because it puts all of these various moments that we get to experience, the things that we oftentimes will refer to as successes or failures or whatever, it puts all of those moments into the wider context of your much bigger life that you get to lead. So I'm a big fan of that one. It's a reminder to myself that the journey is a destination. And the second principle that I usually like to refer to isn't too dissimilar from the first one. So the second one is that success and failure are just data points. Now, obviously, these are not unique ideas to me. A lot of people believe this. I haven't invented any of what I'm about to share with you. These are just the messaging that I have collected over the years because I found that they served me and they served my purpose and they helped me to stay grounded and stay focused and stay present. Now, success and failure are just data points. The reason this isn't my number two is because this reminds me that successes and failures are not identity markers. We're all so much more than a set of metrics. We're, we're human beings and we have to question why we 
are so quick to make things mean something about who we are and what we're capable of. And that's the question I'm always asking myself when I'm doing my own self-coaching is, am I staking my identity on things that don't warrant the association with my identity? Whatever I'm experiencing might be a, a success or a failure or whatever, but does it have to mean something about me and my identity and who I am and what I'm capable of? That usually when you're not thinking about it, by default, the answer is automatically yes. I failed, so I'm a failure. That's something that comes up in my mind all the time and it comes up in friends' minds all the time as well. It's just a thought that just our brains offer up because it's always offered that thought up. But what happens when we remember that actually data points have nothing to do with our identity or our sense of self? The third core principle that I have is that language matters. And so the stories that we tell ourselves will, di will dictate the experiences that we have to a really large extent. I talk about this all the time. All the time, It's all about self-talk and the way that you speak to yourself and the way that you tell your story. So if the word failure is a trigger word for you, then adjusting the narrative that you're telling yourself about the word will change the way that you feel. For me, as I mentioned before, a narrative that I oftentimes catch playing over and over in my head until I check it and correct it is that because I failed, I am therefore a failure. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Just me? A more neutral premise to this particular thought, a more neutral, let's say, evolution of this thought that I find that helps me is that XYZ has come to an end. Whatever circumstance I'm looking at has come to an end. Whatever endeavor I'm trying to process has come to an end. And the reason I like this is because it removes the sting of failure and can be the difference between an outcome that's helpful and an outcome that stands in your way. If you remember... Our thoughts cause our feelings and our feelings cause our actions, which gets us our outcomes. Our actions will always get us to our outcomes. And if you don't like the outcomes that you're getting, then you need to change your thoughts. And it really does help to start that change by going from a thought that isn't serving you to a more neutral thought, ideally based in fact and reality. If this is something that you struggle with, then I can definitely help you. If you go to looms.me, then you can sign up for some coaching services and we'll get you over the hump and well on your way to the outcomes that you want. And the final principle that I want to share with you is the idea that perseverance can often be overrated. As a society, we seem to be under the impression that perseverance is the default, always on, always correct option, when in actual fact, the real strength lies in knowing when to double down and when to cut your losses. For me, perseverance is a bit like a gateway drug to forever. 
the idea of forever. Because if you are sold on the premise that a success can only be successful if it lasts forever or if it never ends, then you're going to keep on persevering through circumstances and situations that, that don't serve you purely because you're trying to attain this impossible standard of success. The idea of forever is similar to the idea of perfectionism. Both are constructs, and both constructs are created or were created despite there never having actually been any proof that either exists or that either are even remotely achievable. Forever isn't a real thing that can be proven that any humans ever experienced that can be measured and perfectionism and the state of being perfect is not something that can be achieved or even measured for that matter so when you adopt the premise that success only works if it's forever and that perfectionism or the state of being perfect is something that's achievable, well, then you see situations where folks will stay in a relationship or job that no longer serves them purely because they think that doing so will make it less likely that they'll be a failure. And so you start to see how everything is all, it's all connected. We have to dismantle so many of these different layers so we can stop chasing and stop channeling our energy into states of being that not, not only don't serve us, but aren't actually bringing us anywhere near the outcomes that we want. So if you take anything away from today, it's that. What are the narratives that you're subscribed to? How do you decide what's a failure and what's a success? What did you last fail at? And would you still consider it to be a failure if you viewed it through a set of criteria that you yourself have chosen? It's a set of criteria that you've chosen because it makes the most sense for the life that you want to lead. And of course, most importantly, check your premise before you do anything else. What's the premise? And what's the intention behind the premise? And if after all of that you're still stuck, then you know what to do. Get in touch with me at looms.me and the link is also in the show notes. And I'd love to hear from you. Do you disagree with anything I've said? Do you agree with anything I've said today? Is there something that I'm missing? Get in touch. I'm always excited to hear from everybody. <laughs> Everyone who's listening. Alright, that's enough of that. If you made it this far, you're a legend. Subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you're listening to this right now, there's a new episode every single week. Tell your friends this resonated with you then share it with somebody that you care about and be sure to check out the show notes for anything that we talked about today where I'll be sure to put in any additional information thank you so much